0: A big thank you to this week's sponsor, Lifestar Network. One of the therapists there at Lifestar Network is actually a big fan of this podcast. And that's how I first found out about them. Lifestar Network is a clinic specializing in helping people recover from compulsive and sexual behaviors specifically. Check them out at LifestarNetwork.com. I'm excited to be working with them in the future. Whether you're a spouse, a child, or the addict yourself, Lifestar Network has trained physicians there to help you through all sorts of trauma, addiction, and compulsive behaviors. Check them out at lifestarnetwork.com. Welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to the ICU Podcast. This is episode 55 Finding Quiet in a World of Phones. The review for this week is from Meg Origin, five stars. This podcast is the best ever. I love the focus of having compassion for people through every kind of struggle and difficulty. We will all go through hard things, but the common denominator that gets people through what's tough is compassion. It is the most amazing message to hear over and over again. It is inspiring. Whether you are in the middle of tough stuff now or you are the friend that is helping someone else, it makes you want to live your life more compassionately. And I couldn't agree more, Meg Origin. I feel the same way. It's the common denominator. It's what we're all made of. It's in our blood. We are hardwired for connection, as Brene Brown said. And I think that being a more compassionate person will only serve you and give you a fuller, deeper, richer life. Thank you for that review. Today is a topic that I'm excited to talk about, and I'm also kind of dreading it, if I'm being honest. I'm excited because I feel like I'm making headway in my own life. It's something I've been wanting to talk about, uh, my strange relationship with my phone. I've been wanting to talk about it for a long time, but I haven't known what to say about it. I didn't want to just come on here and say, yep, I hate my phone and I love my phone, just like the rest of you, and I'm on it way too much, just like the rest of you, and I'm really good at wasting time on social media, just like the rest of you. If I was going to come on here and talk about it, I wanted to have some answers and some hard facts and some statistics and some solutions. I want to go out there and do research. I'm coming on today for starting with, I'm not an expert in this field, but as always, your handy dandy host, Julie Lee. I'm an expert at being open about my own struggles. It's a superpower, maybe sometimes a little bit of a curse that I have when I word vomit and say too much at people and regret it later. But most of the time, I'm proud of this superpower and I'm happy to share it. So once again, I'm coming to the table not as an expert, but as someone trying to figure this out. And I'm happy to share my failures and successes with you because I feel like then we're all going to learn. And the best part is that I actually finally found an expert who does come to the table with some hard facts and some statistics. They completely align with my own experiences and I didn't have to do any of the research. So that's cool too. I'm hoping you've already heard the buzz about Colin Karchner. He gave a TED talk entitled, Can Flip Phones End Our Social Media Addiction? And I'm gonna leave a link to that video in the show notes. I was sent this video by my sister, Her husband and her daughter had gone to an event where he spoke. When her 11-year-old daughter came home, and this is the same daughter that had previously been asking for a phone, as most kids who are 11 do, if they don't already have a phone, they're probably asking for one. She said to her mom, Mom, I don't even want a phone anymore. What? So why in the world did my 11-year-old niece say she doesn't want a phone anymore? Well, probably for some of the reasons that I feel at constant odds with my own phone. It's something I think of as the hustle. So a few reasons. The hustle of life on my phone makes it hard for me to focus and remain on a single task hustle up. There could be phone calls, text messages, notifications, alarms, reports, music stations, anything you want. It's hard for me to even sit and watch a movie with my husband, I've realized, because there's always something that my fingers could be doing or checking, or there's always more ways that I could be productive, it almost feels like, even when it's just wasting time on social media the constant hustle of social media. It's going, 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 and it's at a pace I can never keep up with. There's always more options, more to do, more to see, more pictures to look at, more articles to read, more videos to watch, more, 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 more. For some reason, it's reminding me of the Grinch when he says, and then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. (laughs) I hope you're remembering the old classic cartoon of the Grinch, or you can remember Jim Carrey. He did a fabulous job, too. But it's also something to do with having too many options. I can't even exactly put my finger on it and I'm sure there's a term for it somewhere, but something about having so many options all the time, sitting there on my phone, I think it makes me feel less satisfied with my life because I can always find something more to do or something better. Like I said, it can be even hard for me to just sit down and concentrate on a show with my husband, which is another screen, right? I should be happy. I'm looking at a different screen, but just sit there and follow a movie line if my phone is nearby, because there's just always more, more, more I could be doing or looking at. Even all the options on Netflix, it stresses me out. It's too much. It's hard for me to feel satisfied with so many options. And somehow keeping up with the hustle, it starts feeling like a job to me, like something to be done. It feels like a full-time job to just take care of my phone. It's like a child. Another big reason why I have been trying to figure out how my phone fits in my life is because I have found that if I stare at a screen too long, especially if it's wasting time on social media, it totally feeds my depression. No question. It could even be Netflix, Pinterest, Even working on my podcast, if I'm staring at a screen for too long and I'm not giving myself breaks, I just start getting into a funk. But especially when it's my little screen on my phone on social media, scrolling and scrolling and tapping and liking and scrolling and scrolling and going from this link to that link, besides the fact of just wasting time, I start getting into a funk. And frankly, I just, I know that I naturally don't cope well in this generation in that way. And honestly, I don't really think most people do. I try to be very honest and compassionate and non-judgmental on here. And I feel compassion when I say this, but some people may take it as being judgmental. I don't know, but I think it's true. Looking outside, observing human behavior, which I love to do, I don't think most of us are coping well. Now, that's just a little bit about why my phone has become a problem for me and why it's something I have to be very intentional about. But here's some of, of the hard facts I have been looking for and that you might be excited to hear about. So if you listen to Colin Karchner's TED Talk, he's going to tell you some of these facts. In the state of Utah, in the last seven years, the suicide rate among children ages 10 to 17 has increased 140%. Let me say that again, 140%. Colin talked to a couple different pediatricians, one in Oregon, one in Utah, and they talked about how the kids that complete suicide, they attribute it to one of two things. One, their parent took away their phone or to cyberbullying on social media. If kids already have a phone, it's taking it away sometimes that leads to these suicide attempts and then completions. Last year in Harriman, Utah, which I Google mapped, it's only 51 minutes from me, 43 miles. Eight kids took their life last school year at that one high school, Harriman High. Colin also talks about how pediatricians, they're getting used to seeing this every day. He says they're only semi-shocked A kid that came in at 11, a completed suicide because they're seeing it every single day. And that kid, the reason they committed suicide is because their parents took away their phone. Another, a suicide attempt, another pediatrician talks about, they slit their wrists and they slit their legs because their parents told them they were going to be going on a trip with other teenagers for a month and they wouldn't be allowed to have their phone. This kid had absolutely no mental health history. So if you want to blame it on, while well, they were already messed up or whatever you would say, that's not the case we're seeing. So why did I love this TED Talk so much? It's actually, I think it's incredibly motivating and uplifting. I don't know if sharing those facts with you right now, you're feeling the upliftment, but give it some time. Why did I love it so much? It wasn't because he said anything I didn't already know in my heart. I loved it because it finally made some sense of so much of what I felt in my own heart. And I can identify with these kids. I have tried so many things to not be glued to my phone as much. I've said I'm just going to leave it on a charger 24-7 so that I always have to go to the same spot to use it and that I'll have to be standing up and I can't sit down. I've said that I'm only going to do it for five minutes a day, put a timer on my phone, la-di-da-di-da. I've deleted certain apps. And while all those things are good things, it seems like I always find a way to justify to get back on it. Colin Karchner in this TED talk, he explains that the only way we can save our own kids is to save ourselves first. And so that's what I'm working on big time because I see how my kids are when they're on a screen too much. It's so obvious. And I think while we don't want to beat a dead horse and there's a lot of mom shaming and all of this drama that can happen online about how many minutes is your kid on a screen and la da 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 and how granola are you and whatever. The truth is my kids behave worse when they're on screens too much. Hands down. And so, taking all the emotion about it, that is my experience. I do worse when I'm on a screen too much. We're all doing worse when we're on a screen too much. So, what am I working to do about it? Okay, so here's some things that are working right now. I definitely do not have the Instagram app on my phone. I've had the Facebook app on my phone a few times years ago. I think it's been years. But that is just insanity. I, I do not have the Facebook app on my phone. When I post episodes every week now, I use my desktop to post on Facebook. And then I use my husband Rob's phone to post on Instagram. We put Instagram on his phone with my account so that I can hop on quick and post. But if he's already left for work in the morning, if I get up late and I forgot, I download the Instagram app on my phone, post, and then I delete it again. I've had to do that three weeks in a row lately. The times when I don't delete it, those three weeks I did, I did a good job. But before that, I would find myself being like, oh, I'll just leave it on. It's so much easier if I can just have it on my phone. It always starts getting out of control for me. I find myself on it more and more. I find myself feeling less dissatisfied with my life. So if someone were to look at my app install and delete activity, basically, it probably just looks like I can't make up my mind whether or not to break up with Instagram. It's like the boyfriend you keep breaking up with, right? That you can't just let go of. But right now, this is working for me. And guess what? Even without social media, my kids have plenty of opportunities to still see me on my phone. <laughs> so don't worry. They are still exposed to the use of technology. Why do I find myself so surprised that my little boy wants my phone and cries and begs when I take it away? Yesterday, as I was I was getting my kids ready, we were going to go to the splash pad, and my barely just three-year-old Lydia, who you heard from last episode, if you were lucky enough to listen to her cute little voice, she asked me, Mom, are you going to take your phone or leave your phone? She's only three, but she talks crazy good. I swear she came out of the womb talking. That's not true. You know what I'm saying? She was like 19 months when she walked, but man, she has been talking nonstop. She's very good at getting to the point. She's a very assertive little young lady. She said, are you going to take or leave your phone? And I stopped and I kind of thought about it before answering. And I just said, well, what do you want me to do, Lydia? And she said, I want you to leave it here, Mom. I just kind of like stopped and took that moment in and thought about maybe why that would be. And then a few seconds later, she kind of laughed and she said, Actually, you can bring your phone, Mom. And then she toddled away. Now, I could easily look at that experience and say, It was, you know, it was just nothing. It was just a three year old being crazy. It wasn't some emotional plea she had going on inside, wishing I wouldn't be addicted to my phone. But I think I know better. I think there was something to that. And I can you know, envelop myself in shame and I'm a terrible mom and I can't get off my phone or I can actually just do something about it. My kids have obviously learned that my phone is significant to me, that it's attached to me. When we're reading a story and my phone alerts me with a phone call or a text message, my kids will think that I don't realize it because I don't do anything about it and they'll stop me and they say, oh mom, I gotta go get your phone. Someone's on your phone. And I'm trying to train them. I say, no, we'll get it later. And that alone is making me feel like a pretty awesome mom lately. Just that one single thing of, hey, no, we don't need to go get the phone. We're reading the storybook. Unfortunately, it's usually their dad that gets the shaft. And I don't know why. It's never, it's never scam likely that comes up on my phone. It's never them. It's always Rob that I shaft. And I always am around to get the scam calls. It's the worst social media is weird. I always heard people talk about how it's such a big problem because people compare on there. Like we see a picture of Hawaii and people in Hawaii and we think, oh, I wish I was in Hawaii and my life's not as good or whatever. But to be honest, I would hear that and I would think I don't really feel like that's why social media is not good for me. I don't feel like I sit there and compare a lot. And it's like, I couldn't put my finger on it. Why does it create me so much anxiety to simply have social media apps on my phone? Because it does. It gives me this kind of constant current of anxiety. Well, there's a few reasons I'm coming to find out. So for one, it's the hustle I talked about. The hustle that something is always happening. Something's always happening. More, 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 more. I try to be pretty observant of my thoughts and slow down my brain. Frankly, it's just totally overwhelming for me. There's always more, and more, and more. I actually do think comparison has snuck in. For me, I don't think it's the same way as other people I've heard voice it. For me, it's not so much like Hawaii vacations, but for me, it's more like speaking engagements. It's the podcasts that are having thousands and thousands of reviews and shares. It's the Facebook algorithms that drive me out of my freaking mind because I can never seem to figure it out. It's the insanity of posting a picture of my little girl's messy face and her finger up her nose and it gets hundreds of likes. But then when I post a link to my new podcast episode that I'm feeling vulnerable and excited about sharing and it gets like two likes. Even if people just pity me, I'm going to get more than two likes just out of pity, right? Well, did you know that Facebook sorts out what goes on other people's feeds? It's an insanity circus. So yeah, for me, There is definitely comparison and it messes with my head. And then I get these long emails of these personal stories of how the podcast has touched their life. But if I just look at my social media account, oh my gosh, it becomes a job just checking and checking and comparing and what can I do better and what's the algorithm and researching and oh my gosh, it just, it makes me want to hit my head against the wall. And obviously, of course, for the most part, it's just a complete waste of time. I'm not saying it's always a complete waste of time social media isn't bad. How can it be? It's a tool. How can social media be inherently bad? It's just a tool. Just like a scale isn't bad. Just like food isn't bad. Side note, can we all please just stop saying that food is bad or that we shouldn't eat such and such? Can we just, just stop? Just like phones aren't inherently bad, but it's the compulsive behavior that comes with it. Most answers that I'm finding in my experience are never the extreme. I think of like a pendulum swing. Most of the time when I'm seeking earnestly to find truth, to find light, to find answers, it's usually somewhere in the middle. So statements like doctors are just out to get your money. Doctors are evil or essential oils. They don't do anything. They're just stupid. I don't really trust either of those. So what are some benefits of social media? There are some. I know for my mother-in-law and for my grandma, who they both live on the East Coast, it's a place they get to see pictures of their great-grandchildren and their grandkids. They get to feel connected in a way they don't normally. I have a friend, social media has been incredible because she's found groups, a place where she can talk about really sensitive issues that she hasn't found safe places to talk about in her everyday life, but she's found a group that's connected her to other people who do. It's been a lifesaver, a literal lifesaver for her in that way. And one of the biggest polls, one of the best things about social media is that you find out of events, parties, weddings, playdates, and that's a legitimate benefit. So I don't have all the answers of what every person should do about their social media use. That's not why I'm talking about it. I'm talking about it to share my story with social media, which is constantly changing, and to share my story with just my phone in general. I feel valid and learned enough to look around and say, I think we've got a huge problem on our hands and it terrifies me. I'm just happy to be a sign, a rallying cry that something's wrong. And I'm, I'm honestly scared. And I don't like living in fear. In the TED talk by Colin, he talks about how there's researchers that have said, we're facing the greatest epidemic we've ever seen. And he says, we're in it. We're already in the epidemic. And I would have to wholeheartedly agree with that. I can't just live with saying, Well, this is, this is just the time we live in. This is, this is just the world these days. I just, I can't do that. To me, that's living a counterfeit life that I don't want. So here's a couple things I'm doing. This is some of the work I'm working on. I try to leave my phone home as much as I can. If Rob's with me and he has his, then I'll leave mine home because someone can contact us. At Walmart this week, I actually just bought a $7 alarm clock that plugs in the wall I'm going to work on not having my phone in my room at night. I'm going to work on plugging it in downstairs. And I'm pretty stoked about that. I feel like a big girl making big girl decisions. I try to always tell my kids what I'm doing when I'm on my phone around them. So I'll try and say things like, I'm looking up a recipe. Hey guys, just a second. I'm sending daddy that picture of you. Hey, I'm going to turn on our music real quick. Voicing it out loud, it gives me some accountability. And I'm hoping I'm teaching them that the phone is a tool and not an appendage off my body that helps keep me in check. I know that Colin in his speech, his goal is that his kids never see him on his phone. And while a lot of people are going to hear that and be like, well, that's extreme. I think that's kind of amazing. And maybe I'll get there one day. I don't know. Right now it feels a little unfeasible, but I think it's pretty incredible that for him, that's working and heck no, social media is not on my phone ever. And not everyone is like me, and I know that. Not everyone even cares about social media. Rob, he doesn't even care. He gets on Facebook like every six months. And maybe that's you, or maybe you hear this and it just, social media doesn't affect you the way that I'm describing. But just know that for some people it does. And there's gonna be a good chance that if you have children, there might be some that are like me. I think that most of us are misusing it, from what I can tell. Me, my 29-year-old humble opinion, I think most people are misusing it because I think we just don't even know how to handle it. It's been something that's faster and faster than we can even keep up with. As I was looking up some research about the topic on, on Google, I saw a question that someone had Googled and it said, should a six-year-old have a cell phone? And at first I was like, oh my gosh, no. Why is anyone even asking this question? This is insane that I live in this world. Okay, so here's the answer. The average age for children who receive their first cell phone is six years old and 53% of children have a cell phone by the time they turn seven. According to a recent survey by VoucherCloud.net of nearly 2300 parents with children between the ages of 11 and 16. Okay. So I'm just going on the record, Julie, Elizabeth Lee from Utah saying I am 29 years old and I have a hard time controlling my use on my phone. I'm just going to say that. So no, I don't think we should be giving six year olds phone. I cannot keep myself under control with my phone. I'm figuring it out. It's getting better. It's something I have to constantly monitor and it has really negative effects on my life if I do not monitor it. It's a really tricky thing for me because if I look at my podcast analytics, I see that I get a lot of traffic through Facebook and through Instagram. So yes, I post on it weekly, sometimes more than weekly, depending on on what I'm up to and what I feel like is a positive thing to share. So I don't want to be a hypocrite here because I post on social media. I'm admitting that. But I feel strongly enough to talk about this, even if that means you're going to get off social media and you're not going to see stuff that I post. Because for me, having been to the dark places I've been to in my life, if my use of my phone is going to ever get me near a dark place like that again or put my kids at risk of being close to that dark place, it's a no-brainer. I will be off social media completely. I don't care if I have a podcast. Right now, I figured out a system that's working for me. But if in the future that changes and I can't seem to get my habits under control, I'm done. No question. It is not worth it. We're talking about life and death here. Whatever you do, find your quiet. That's what's important to me. Find my quiet. There's a song in the Broadway musical, Matilda. I love it so much and it makes me cry because I feel like it touches on how I feel so often in this high-tech world and all the chatter in my brain and, and just the anxious go, 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 go. everything's just moving so fast i feel like this little girl matilda and i'm going to read you the lyrics because i think they're so sweet and so powerful it says have you ever wondered well i have about how when i say say red for example there's no way of knowing if red means the same thing in your head as red means in my head when someone says red and how if we are traveling at almost the speed of light and we're holding light that light would still travel away from us at the full speed of light which seems right in our way but i'm trying to say i'm not sure but I wonder if inside my head, I'm not just a bit different from some of my friends. These answers that come into my mind unbidden, these stories delivered to me fully written. And when every shouts, they seem to be like shouting and noise in my head is incredibly loud. And I just wish they'd stop my dad and my mom and the telly and the stories would stop for just once. And I'm sorry, I'm not quite explaining it right, but this noise becomes anger and the anger is light and it's burning inside me Would usually fade, but it isn't today. And the heat and the shouting and my heart is pounding and my eyes are burning. And suddenly everything, everything is quiet. Like silence, but not really silent. Just that still sort of quiet. Like the sound of a page being turned in a book. Or a pause in a walk in the woods. Quiet. Like silence, but not really silent. Just that nice kind of quiet. Like the sound when you lie upside down in your bed, just the sound of your heart and your head. And though the people around me, their mouths are still moving, the words they are forming cannot reach me anymore. And it is quiet. I'm getting teary. It's fine. And it is quiet and I'm warm like I've sailed into the eye of the storm. I love quiet. I love smelling and tasting and breathing and feeling gratitude for all of it. And I'm growing to really love that simple life because I thrive in it so much better than I did before. You know, in Jurassic Park, when they say, there's that famous quote, they say, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. I don't want to settle for mediocre because I was born in 1990 and that's all this life has to offer me. I want to create my own world with my children and the other people that I have relationships with. And it gets to look however I want. There's no standard. It's my world. I'm doing my part in creating this world here in my own home and acknowledging the problems I have and the places that I go and and this home that I live in, I, I do feel intense feelings. It's not always quiet. I feel intense joy and exhilaration and sometimes rush and anxiety. But even more than feeling happy, what I want more than anything is I want peace. I seek quiet. I seek stillness. Because in that space, I find I can quiet those voices and the chatter in my head. And I can just breathe and love. That's a place I find God. It's a balance that I'm probably going to spend the rest of my life trying to strike. And it's okay. Once again, a big thank you to this week's sponsor, Lifestar Network. The Lifestar program and its network of therapists, they're dedicated to bring hope, healing, and recovery to individuals, to families, to spouses, that are affected by these unwanted compulsive sexual behaviors and from the powerful grips of sex addiction. This is so common, you guys. There's so many people around you struggling with it. They're just not saying it, I promise. Make sure you check out these people. That might be able to help at lifestarnetwork.com. Their website has a tab called resources and on it you can find a list of books and articles and they even have porn statistics there that if you're feeling a little unaware, Julie Lee, why do you keep talking about porn? I'm sick of you talking about porn. I'm talking about porn because it's destroying lives and I think that we shouldn't settle for mediocre life. I think we should all continually be looking for healing. Next week, we have a guest returning to the podcast. We are going to be discussing a topic she and I have both worked to understand and not be afraid of. We're going to be talking about reconciling our Christian beliefs with the reality of many of our dear friends who we love and who are some of the best people we know who identify as LGBTQ. So yeah, gear up for that one. Thank you for spending this time with me and honoring me in that way. My name is Julie Lee and I see you Do you know a group of people that needs to hear the message that compassion and connection save lives, that it saved my life? Contact me at www.icupodcast.com. Seeing each other with compassion and connection not only saves lives, but it can completely transform a work environment, a school environment, and a religious environment. I am willing to talk to anybody that will listen, because I'm right about this.